If anybody's ever listened to one of our podcasts, you know that sometimes they last for about three hours. It's not going to be that way tonight. <laughs> because um, I have... <clears throat> That'd be a bad timing thing, too, because that's going to be about 10 minutes. Mm. Um, no, it's because we're not going to let Paul talk. Oh. <laughs> oh, right. And no rabbit holes shall be... Well, not many. Not Should many. I put okay. the away? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Here, okay. let's do it. Let's, let's now, I do was going to send this to you. Um, and I just, it, today got kind of busy. Um, so we really <laughs> like criticism and, um, we, this we, we really like criticism. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like I enjoy it. Make sure you I use mean, your big voice cause everyone needs to hear this. We don't take it well, but we like it. Um, I'm not going to hide his name. Is that okay? I mean, I'm not going to read out his email address, but I figure he kind of deserves it. <laughs> Edward, <laughs> subject, wanted to buy. Message, hi, I came to the site from a referral, but there are items that shouldn't be clickable and other dead end links. Click purchase button, get a not available message. Why not a sold out notice and chance to sign up for a waiting list? Also on desktop, there's so much empty space that I thought elements might not be there. The first section below the header is 4,076 pixels high. <laughs> all in all, a frustrating experience that actually compels me not to make a purchase. If the website is so sloppy, then so are the products. You know, how you do anything is oh, how you'll do everything. Mm -hmm. Easy fixes for me, so maybe that's why I'm so critical, but I really wanted to participate in one of the symposiums, Edward. I think Edward just earned himself a scholarship to the next symposium. <laughs> I fastened a reply, but maybe I'll add the scholarship opportunity. Let's, let's, uh, <clears throat> because... You, should I read the reply? Oh, well, for champion sure. at internet fighting. Yes, of course you should. <laughs> so he got this... Passive-aggressive uh, email response? Is, you what? What? is it passive-aggressive email response? <laughs> yeah. Well, he got this on the end of me being sick for like four days and tired, so... Sorry. <laughs> Edward, thank you for contacting the nonprofit human resources department with your concerns. Perhaps your referral didn't accurately describe who we are, so please allow me to do so. Wanting to buy and getting to buy are as different as you can imagine. The design is on purpose. If you find the additional index finger exertion used to scroll down frustrating, then I doubt what we have to offer <laughs> will alleviate what you're experienced this far. <laughs> the symposium is sold out, as is clearly marked, which means as many people as we needed were able to easily navigate the site and make a purchase. <laughs> I'll allow you the pleasure to compare your self-admitted computer savviness against our successful patrons. As difficult as a time as you have navigating, I do see that you were able to find our contact and write a helpful critique of what we are missing out on by having you as a customer. But I can't help but think that taking the time to do so had to be much more exhausting than hitting the back button on a dead link or scrolling 4,076 pixels, which means you put far more effort into complaining than you do into figuring anything out. <laughs> we're so good at business. <laughs> 
Please don't buy my stuff. We are not interested in easy, and we aren't concerned with those that need easy. My guess is that your referral was not a personal one. Statistically speaking, the chances are that you found your way here by some sort of action hero slash movie star that you might idolize, <laughs> which means you were browsing, not searching. And just like the gulf of difference between wanting and getting there is also an abyss separating browsing from searching. We prefer the latter. Thanks for your time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not yet. That was probably a perfect way to open this. So if you, if you want to levy any criticism... Is there any questions? <laughs> it will be immortalized. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I upgraded myself because I went from mailroom clerk to human resources. Yeah. I promoted I, myself. I, you, have, you did you promote deserve yourself. I, and you I, deserve uh, I, I, I sincerely support that. Because, <laughs> you know... Co-founder, a mailroom guy. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a bit harsh of me. It's I, true. No, you volunteered for that too. Postage management. <laughs> it's more like it. Who has a, a first question? Somebody had a good question right off the bat. Where's Chris? Back here. Hey. Usher, Usher B. Her way. Uh, a, 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 B. <laughs> I know very loud, but I forgot we were doing a podcast. He is loud. Hi, I'm Chris Warden, and. Uh, we good. I once took a quick look at your website, Mark, <laughs> and, I, and I, noticed something, I noticed something very peculiar. Am I too high? Am I too hot on that mic? No, no, you're, uh, right. you're just hot enough. Good, great. Yeah. So uh, in, in browsing your newest, latest iteration of your site, I noticed on uh, a certain page, you said that you, were not, you don't consider yourself a photographer, and being someone who considers himself a photographer, I, I was like, oh shit. I need, to probably, <laughs> I, need to, I need to probably stop saying that. Uh, either that or Michael got on your site and fucked it all up and said you weren't a photographer. So can you explain that a little bit? Without throwing shade at everyone who has a camera. I, yeah. So our next t-shirt, well, if Michael allows me to do it, is going to be, it will read photography, not phonography. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. Aaron just got pissed. <laughs> Ah, yeah, it's just, just uh, Ken, Ken left. Damn it. Uh, he works at a local camera shop. He can get Aaron a camera. It'll be fine. Fair enough. Good for the economy. Good for, it, <laughs> good for peace and hope. Um, Chris, I, don't, I, I, uh, I think a lot of photographers are pedantic fucks. And I don't consider my, well. Consider yourself a pedantic fuck. I guess I'm a photographer. <laughs> Damn it. Back be, myself be, be into concise. that. Be concise. Just yeah. be concise. Mm. Um, I, what happens to me a lot when I review other people's pictures, people who, are, who I consider to be actual photographers, uh, often those images make me want to um, stop taking pictures and to not be a photographer. And I kind of figure, like, okay. The day I'm a photo I will call myself a photographer. Or I can't, oh, fuck. Maybe I'm gonna. When you printed a photography <laughs> book. <laughs> oh wait, no. Actually, everything did change. Oh, you have a book. Oh right. Yeah. Well, it's so yeah. All the fucking twenty years before having a book and then anyway. Um, <laughs> I was hoping that that uh, that would go away. That I would go to see you know a real photographer's page or some of their work, buy a book, whatever, and look at it and not feel ashamed of my own output. And, and th if that day happens, I mean, there's a, there's a book sitting on a sort of bench couch thing at home or two books. 
a book called Exile, Exiles, and the making of that book by Mr. Joseph Kudelka, who Justin steered me to, and I look at those pictures and I just go, God damn, and I look at the guy's output, and I look at how like intensely into it he was, I'm just not that guy. Is, is, is still working at yeah, yeah. So that's my only explanation is that whenever I look at somebody else's work that's better than mine and I feel ashamed of mine, then I just like, I should have a different job title like businessman, for example. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think from a clinical standpoint, you just watched um, imposter syndrome in full effect. <laughs> <laughs> but there might be something to like the, like the title of something. Cause I think uh, from what I just watched and what I've seen, like removing titles is the easiest way to like be yourself like to get rid of I am this or I am that even though like that's the easiest way to become something it's also the easiest way to get confused about who you are maybe I just confused everybody okay. no I mean, <laughs> that, was, that was well planned yeah. uh, it's funny we Vince and I were talking today about you know I'm I'm a novice picture taker not a photographer mm. but there is a thing there where Mark gave me some advice he's like stop pulling away so fast I was like, my wife says that all the time. But uh, part of the reason I figured out why is because I was embarrassed of the perception that I might, like that I was in that photographer thing. And it took a while to, to be like, no, I'm learning. You know, and I think that I think there is such a cliche, whether, and whether it's photography or anything else, like the world has ruined beautiful things. You know, society has latched on to, to things and, and kind of tainted them. And I do think that, you know, it's, it's hard to overcome that because you don't want to be part of that crowd. But he's a photographer. I guess I got to own it now, huh? Well, there's like pictures on the wall. And I know, it's crazy. <laughs> there's like prices next to them. Who, who took those pictures? Some janitor that's some, in the back. Yeah, exactly. Was it the mailroom clerk? Also, no, not the It is also sometimes the janitor. Actually, you do more of that than me too, but I... <laughs> is it, well, maybe custodian. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Custodian. Handyman. Anybody else with riveting questions? Nate Pack. Yes. I love these. This will this will be a rabbit hole. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mark, uh, first, congratulations on this amazing work of art. Thank you for Thank you. being who you are and sharing it with us, letting us be here and enjoy it and embrace it with you. My, my question is somewhat serious about the regrets you might have on occasions when you did not have a camera and you wish you did. Because there were occasions, I suspect, in which it was so cold or dangerous or you were afraid. Do you look back now, can you comment on times you wish you had a camera and used it and you did not? Yeah, the, the photos I regret are the ones I didn't take, obviously. <laughs> um, but there were, and yeah, there's the casual thing that will never come again, maybe, that, that I miss. Because I wasn't thinking, well, I mean, I have a camera always now. And if I don't have one, then Michael has one, and I just take his. Um, 
but in the in the mountains generally i always shot it didn't matter i mean i have two file cabinets there's probably thirty thousand slides in there right now i've been having a scanning question with my friend jamie who does some scans at the lab for me maybe having to buy an Imacon scanner for that particular organization so that I can hire her on weekends to do it for me. But, um, but there I always shot. The things that I miss are the casual moments that I didn't think at the time merited a picture. There's a couple of pictures. There's the, uh, the, in the climbing piece, there's a picture after Scott and I came down from Mount Hunter. We're sitting there in the snow, and that's because Michael Kennedy and... Jojo and Ken Wiley and Greg Child, they skied down to where we came off that route with our skis. And we were out of food. We had an inch of fuel left in the bottle. And Michael turned up with a camera and shot those pictures. Scott and I were cooked. I was done. I was not taking any more pictures that day, that night. <laughs> and happily, I have that. There were other pictures that there was a, that same trip, I mean, you had, I don't know. We were on the glacier for six weeks and had four weeks of bad weather or some shit. I can't remember. It was, it was all. I, I, ha I kept having the pilot buy alcohol for me and fly it in because the storms would just not stop. But there was a night um, where Ken and uh, Wiley and, and Jojo had dug this snow cave. They they'd dug this enormous fucking snow cave in the glacier. And it was perfect. You go down there and it wasn't stormy and it was warm. And this some night, and it was recently re-described to me as, oh yes, and then Twight held forth for like three hours in this snow cave. And Scott was there, Michael Kennedy, Greg Child, Steve Massioli, Jojo was there. I don't know if Ken was, and Ken, and Ken was there also. Um, but we were just in there and there was drink, drinking and there were drugs taken and there was this incredible conversation. I miss not having recorded that conversation and not having a camera. Happily, Michael Kennedy had a camera and I was so fucking mad at myself afterwards like that we didn't have the means to memorialize this night. I mean, happily, only one of us from that night is dead. Um, Steve Mascioli got killed on Northwestern Hunter. Um, and, and, and that's what makes me mad, are those, those moments. There's, I have one portrait of my friend Richard Wery, who um, he had, it, was, uh, it was taken to France. We were out ice climbing one day, um, and he and I had climbed a fair amount together, just cragging and, and stuff. He got his guide's license, and one, one of the like, first couple of trips that he was guiding with a client, uh, they were going up to the, the Col de Tridente, um, and there was a bunch of rockfall, and as any good guide should do, he put himself in between the rocks and his client. Client lived, he didn't. I only have one portrait of that guy. When I could have taken many, but the, all the climbing that we did together was social. And I never carried a camera because I didn't think it would be important. But now I always have a camera because you never know what's important. You never know what some, might be the last time you see someone. Or have, you know, see something, have some experience that you might grasp a little moment of. Doesn't keep me from not living that moment, but then I have this something. And so the regrets that I have about taking pictures are that I was too casual about it when it probably meant the most. Because it was the most banal in a way.
Mark, uh, congratulations. I've been watching it grow and be intense. So it's amazing, and it's more than you think, even if you're deconstructing it. My question is, your subject matter, as it's been over the years, you know, when you were doing the climbing, there was kind of the sport, maybe some of the before and after. When you're on the movies and running the gym, I think it was about effort and trying to capture people in the moment. But there's this other side of stuff that I've been particularly interested in, which is life. How would you characterize your evolution as a photographer? Sorry, you gotta own that. No, I guess, I guess I'd have to own it. Um, to take pictures climbing, like I said, it's obvious. I mean, it's, it's, you know, that, okay, it's a beautiful situation, not many would have access to this. And so to bring that image back and share it or share some story that goes with it, um, it was easy. Like, I didn't have to, I mean, I had to pay attention in a way, but, uh, He cleans up really good. <laughs> yeah. You savage gentleman, you. <laughs> wow, I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, I was just totally distracted by Josh. Just like, oh, wow. That Take a picture. I, I could. I, you, you know what's fun? On the balcony, the first thing I looked down is like, motherfucker, he wore a tuxedo. He actually did it. I was like, where's my camera? I'm going to take a picture. Sean Kingby wears a tie. And it's not with a t-shirt. And then Josh shows up like, damn, <laughs> I am a photographer. <laughs> uh, it I don't know how, I don't know why it evolved. It did, I can't, I, just, I, don't, I don't argue anymore with stuff that, um, that I feel. Um, and always having a camera makes it possible to always, rec you know, to, to, cap to, 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 to capture, to stop in motion something that I see, and, um, and so now I'm looking differently, I'm seeing differently when I'm out and moving around in the world. I mean, but every morning, like every morning when I leave, I mean, there's a camera on my desk at home, just in case. I have this one shot that I like to take over and over again from sitting on my bench out this window at the convenience store next door, um, because it's old glass from the early 1900s, so it's all wavy and it looks all fucked up. Um, I like taking that I, I i just see stuff differently now because of the fact that maybe i start thinking of myself as a photographer and that um and that, that there's something that, that's just can again it can be beautiful whether it's in here i mean trevor came up and said man those shadows up on that wall i'm like yeah yeah I hope he got it because I'm not, you know, I didn't see it until he pointed it out. And so, I, 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 again, I, I don't know why, but there are things that make everyday life like a joy to move through. And that, I mean, the, the, the print, the, the new one, <laughs> um, it's of my my driveway, which who takes a picture of their driveway unless they happen to rent a 
converted barn on a working farm 10 minutes from a film studio an hour outside of London and lived there for six months long enough to see them plant the fields watch them grow and then have them har be harvested but that and that was the driveway but I like if you just think of it as your driveway you're never going to go up your driveway and stop and take a picture Riley said one of the most poignant things to she actually it was a text you didn't say it it had to do with the picture I like I don't know I was probably drunk two in the morning walked out onto the porch of the house that Selena and I lived in New Mexico and took a picture down the driveway of this lonely trash can below a lonely streetlight in the fog and I think Riley direct message something about you just made me cry with a picture of a trash can <laughs> now every time I look at that picture now I have now I'm like yeah it's kind of a cool picture it's true now every time I see that picture I think of her I think of all I think of the beautiful furniture that she designed that sits in our dining room in my office um, and and that's also another reason that I take photographs is because there's an association that is drawn with an Im between an image and a relationship and a person and certain energy and I want to have that around. Ooh, Michael Carter. Michael. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. Got one before Mark, you. First off, congratulations. Yeah. Um, with you. thirty thousand pictures to go through, uh, <laughs> surely it was difficult to narrow it down to just one book. Is there one picture that just, without thinking about it, jumps to your mind that maybe elicits the most emotion, and at that picture what's the story behind that <laughs> right now that pi that picture the the that elicits i mean there, i i i have to put it in the context of a particular era but if if i want to put it in the climbing era um that picture of scott retreating off the west face of the grand charmos in a storm is for me a really heavy powerful image because partially because of everything that led up to that that moment in and of itself of deciding that, man, if we keep going, we, well, we're not gonna get up the route, but it also could get worse than that. And then everything that happened when the weather got good and we came back later. Um, more recently, the other image that is, is, is very, that, that just kills me uh, every time I, it's in the other room uh, and it's a picture of uh, it's an accidental picture of Jason Momoa in Iceland we were shooting Justice League and we were between takes and he's walking by this little old house with the laundry blowing in the wind and then the view just going off into the western fjords and nothing and and that to me is just sort of indicative of it was like it's the end of he and I've been working together for nine months and we had we were there to shoot the scene for which I convinced him not to drink for 28 days straight which is certainly harder than making Wonder Woman <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that it was and I think Ross actually used the word sorrowful feeling to that image and the more that I think about that it's true it was like the close of this era this like this we're finishing this journey that we started on and we, and we went through together and, um, and that changed both of us. And I'd like grabbed Jason's uh, monochrome, his, this beautiful digital camera that only shoots black and white and 
uh, and I'm just like, I need to shoot some pictures. And that thing happened and it was, and whenever I see that picture, it brings every moment of that journey from the start when we met the first time um, on Batman versus Superman in Detroit, all the way to the end of that series. And, and, uh, and I don't, and there are, there are pictures that are beautiful and then there are pictures that um, have soul in them. And there's some of both in the room right now. Some of them I look on, was like, man, it's a really good photo. I was like two minutes from the fucking parking lot. <laughs> and then there were other pictures like, like that one on the Grand Charmos with Scott. Like it took a really long time to get there. <sighs> Years to get to the point to, for that image to, to happen. And, um, and I like the, the, the latter ones better, I guess. But as far as choosing, I guess there'll be another book or something, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what's next. Right. I get, uh, I guess, uh, a question. One's funny and one is uh, serious. Um, we'll okay. Start, we'll start with the business first. Uh, I think it's uh, uh, an understatement to say that you are highly accomplished and you, are, you have been able to do what most people talk about in that you've been able to fucking live life in your own way and make your own rules, right? Um, this is I, a serious question, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It, it's all, yeah, yeah, it is, it is. Yeah. Um, from, I, I just need to try and disarm you right now because I, I see where you're going. Oh, no shit. No. But two, two things. When uh, I remember, you know, reading the first Jim Jones fucking manual uh, that you, and, and in there are two things that, that come to mind. When I, when I look at any picture from Grit and Teeth or, you know, your Instagram, whatever, I think, first of all, brutal self-assessment, don't buy into your own bullshit, right? Uh, that's number one. To, to that end, and I'm, I'm regrettably I'm not known for my brevity, but I'm going to you know, try to be <laughs> cognizant of that tonight. Uh, going, you know, everything you know, costs something. Another thing I got from the, the original Jim Jones manual, right? Uh, I go through a lot. Uh, considering what you've accomplished, right, it came in a great cost. Number one, uh, do you think, and I, I don't want to be flipping with this, is it, do you think, considering what, the, what you've lost, right, what, was it worth it to you? And second question, would you sacrifice some of that success to change some of the things, some decisions that you made, some losses that you had in the past? Uh, Apologies, I didn't mean to get too heavy. But no, it just, it, it's you know, it, uh, and it's kind of heavy moments in that whole. Thing. I mean, in, the, in in all of it. Um, and the 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 second question about would I change some of my behavior? I don't think that my behavior, in a way, if I'm looking at terms of great loss, of loss, especially loss, loss. I don't think that changing my behavior would change that outcome. What I would say about that is that had I been able to be more honest with those 
people. And there's a, in the Kiss or Kill book, there's a whole chapter about this kid, Fred V. Mall, who, when I first met him, I spent five hours with him on a, uh, together and realized, oh man, I really like this guy, but he's too ambitious, he's gonna get killed, so I'm not gonna be his friend, because I don't wanna get close and then have him die. And this is one time I'm gonna make this choice. And so for sort of two years, we like acquaintance, hi, how are you, this, that, and then ran into him in different circumstances. And we saw for about three weeks, we saw each other pretty much every day, went climbing together, really uh, good friends with Ketty, who was my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, um, and then he got killed. So what I regret about that, what I would change is to have just accepted what I felt and lived it in the, initially, instead of trying to preserve some bad, fee, you know, some, like I was afraid of feeling bad and thought I could maybe change that. But I could have had two years and three weeks instead of three weeks with that guy. And who knows what would have evolved from that. Not that the outcome would have been any different because I think he was destined for the ground. Um, uh, sooner the most, but uh, I don't think I could change my could have changed my trajectory at any point necessarily. And I, something I wrote to Scott today, I was just like, I can't stop this thing. Maybe, possibly, potentially, hopefully, we can steer. But it's it's moving, and we're on it. And I don't look back and think like, man, if I'd only done that, then this would have been like this. Because you can't know. If I'd only done that, then maybe something else would have been an unintended consequence. And then as far as it being worth it, I don't know. Because there's some, there are some people uh, who utterly would just, yeah, love to have back here alive, not Pure and not in a selfish way necessarily, but for what, for how those individuals influenced us and made a lot of people a lot better. And in some of those circumstances, I'd have to say it was, you know, but, it, but I survived, so it didn't really have anything to do with me. And what was the funny question, Michael? Because <laughs> this, is, this is going in a bad direction. <laughs> I warned you, though. Um, yeah. This is more for... Uh, Microphone. Oh, sorry. Apologies. Yeah. And normally I'm known for being loud, so I'm not used to microphones and people hear me. Uh, this is more for grit and teeth. Dude, where the fuck do you get them cool-ass shirts from, man? Which one? Oh, this like one? That. Not just that. Other You'll never do, guess. Right? The what? You'll never guess. Uh, Hot topic. Hot <laughs> I'm not I'm not kidding. What's this? Hot topic. Hot topic. The, you know, yeah, like, the, the like pop goth store in the mall. I got this no, in, no, no, I got no, this in two thousand uh, Do they have a fucking I got web, this they have a website? I wanna two thousand and twelve, right before I left for three hundred uh, Resident Empire job. Yeah. And, and then I was walking around in South Africa with this shirt on and I was like, this is like I didn't yeah. realize, like, I didn't know. I was just like, hey, Joe Berg, like, yeah. <laughs> waving yeah. at people, but yeah. yeah. 
second, second. Uh, this is probably. And then the other ones I make because I can't find shirts that I like. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, second question. So, what was this body part on Black Panther that you were speaking of, man? The podcast. The what? The the body part for Black Panther, right? Remember in the podcast, you're like, well, when they were putting together the superhero thing. Oh goddamn! What what body part was that? Oh, for. <laughs> I'm being stupid. I know. I, I'm being, I'm being a hey, that's, a, that's a rabbit hole. I, 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 I believe we should avoid that one. Snake hole. Take this <laughs> away. I, we'll talk about that after because we don't want to deter. I, I think the, the question is added on to when you're talking about the journalists that yeah. wrote about oh, putting together. Lazy journalism. Yeah. Okay, so now that is a podcast that is not available to the public, right? Did we put it out though? The fitness is fucked, right? Yeah, it's on. It's on the behind the scenes. It's oh, on the sorry. behind. Yeah, no. It's there's a, it's, a secret site, guys, where yeah. there's other podcasts. <laughs> Shh! Don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, so the podcast will kind of sum it up. Well, a journalist was looking for, uh, you know, he wanted to put together all the best superheroes parts By and body what part. would make the perfect body. And he was talking about. Uh, well, he contacted me. Henry Cobble's he, he, arms? No, chest. 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 Lo- okay. Loved, is enamored with Henry's chest. Oh, okay. Like, dude, and whatever. then Jason's everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Black Panther's <clears throat> something. <laughs> I don't know what. So, anybody here subscribe to Men's Health or Men's Fitness or Men's Journal or one of those? I think we've rid all those people. I was going to say, wow. Yeah. And certainly no one's going to admit it now. They're like, looking around, I, I get that thing. Is you? <laughs> and, and I will now be anonymously subscribed to that, probably. Yeah. It'll get sent here to the nonprofit my, center. My phone is around, so I'm going to get on Instagram. It's going to be like, subscribe to Men's Health on the next advertisement. But so part of the problem with the movie business is get like these bullshit people who call themselves journalists that write for <laughs> fitness magazines. And they, they want to know the secret. And that secret could be like, it's never like, how do I think about doing this in a way that will actually produce the result that I might want? But no, it's just like, what's the secret workout? What's the secret recipe? What's this? What's this? What's the shortcut? How's the hack? Is it kind of do it in four minutes? Well, how about seven? Because I'm willing to do seven, but I'm not willing to do 11, also a prime number. Um, (laughs) Are you describing CrossFit? (laughs) Not yet. but and it's always okay. We got we got to like somehow get these advert these magazines out there. We got to put some kind of you know, you know the, the the print equivalent to clickbait so that people will see the advertising. And it doesn't matter what the actual editorial content is, but they keep having to come up with bullshit fucking ideas. And this one, I I totally trolled the guy because because um, it was a stupid. It was like it was it was a. It was an above average in terms of stupidity. Of we want to create the like the greatest, you know, Franken human superhero guy. And this guy. Oh my God! You should have just sent him a link to Captain Planet. If I knew what that was, I might Uh, see. Who knows what Captain Planet is? Heart, wind, what? (laughs) It's a combination of all the best stuff in one guy who has a flat top. That's not Max Headroom. Sorry. Uh, so he sends me a thing, and I'm just like, okay, I own. Well, no, I think I bought the no, URL. You bought it. I bought the URL <laughs> yeah. specifically, lazyjournalism.com, it was so that than, I could. He was a te- what was it? A twelve dollar purchase. It so was. It was like, yeah, but I was recently renewed. I it's had to renew, and it was twenty eight this time. But it's totally worth it to have MFT at lazyjournalism.com as an email address, <laughs> just through reply. which I can correspond with journalists. 
most recently used with someone who works for the Hollywood Reporter. Oh. But, <laughs> yeah. It's anyway. a, it was an investment. It, was, it really was. It, it's, it's paying, paying off. off. Yeah. yeah. But so I replied to the guy and I said, this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard of. Basically, go fuck yourself. Um, and then, and then, and then you know, I told him that, you know, it's drive-by journalism and don't waste my time with this and that sort of thing. And I kind of figured I'd never, it, it, I would either hear go fuck yourself or never hear from him again. He writes back, I appreciate your comments. I'm new here at Min's, at Rodale Press or whatever, and I'm, and I'm young and I'm finally idealistic and I thought I would come here and be able to change it from the inside. And I'm like, oh, you, you poor fucker. <laughs> so then I get, this, so I get this email and I, wrote, I write it back and I'm like, man, I, I, I feel your pain kind of, but. Um, we just talk shit on you for like three hours on a podcast. No, that, you're that, gonna get fired. Exactly, so <laughs> then I read the email and I, so we started, I was like, well, we gotta do the Fitness is Fucked podcast because yeah. this guy has like, is, so I start by reading the email. I, you know, I leave his email address and his right. name out of it. And then I realize like partly through the podcast, we can't put this out because if we do and someone hears it from his work, He's totally fired because uh, it's going to be pretty obvious who was in charge of this particular story who would have been reaching out to other people. So we sat on it for about six months and then, I don't know, in a fit of like, ah, we don't care anymore. We just put it on the secret side. Well, there's been like four other magazine articles that probably had that same exact subject. So we were probably safe. <laughs> yeah. So it works. But I, yeah, I will definitely, if they come back at me, you know, and they say next year that it's going to cost $36 to keep that URL. It's still, still worth it. Be worth still it. worth it. It's still <laughs> worth it. If I refer back to like the, the clarity that I had about quitting hard climbing, was and I mentioned if I say like yeah I had too much holding me to the ground, to go up and do certain things at a certain level at least for me I had to cut away from everything and it was very and it was much easier when I was younger because I had less. I always I, I mean I you know considered it like a point of pride that if I wanted to move. If I could fit everything in my Dodge Dart, <laughs> I was a free man. Then we start accumulating. Not free from ridicule. No. <laughs> well, it was a swinger. I mean, it was royal blue with a black soft top, man. Come on. Okay. Slant six. Totaled it 249,000 miles. It was called a swinger. And I did buy that from my mom, and it did make me ask some questions about the lifestyle that influenced me when I was growing up. But uh, <laughs> I arrived at a point in life where the, when I say there's too much holding me to the ground, it wasn't necessarily material possessions. It was people that I cared about, people that I loved, someone in particular that I loved, dogs also. And that was the main sort of impetus for stopping climbing, realizing like, okay, th there was a sort of logical trajectory. We were practicing, we were rehearsing, we were talking about it. We're, we're like, learning things that we didn't know or making new knowledge you know in a way by way of experience um and i think and I, I i won't i can't speak for scott in this regard but i think i know that we both arrived at the same point on the slovak at roughly the same time although age and maturity wise some distance between us scott lasted a lot longer in the game than i did but, but for me, that, that, was, that was the point. Okay, I'm, I'm, my, my feet are stuck. I can't, a, I can't go away for three months. B, I refuse to cut all of this stuff away that I know it would take to, to do that, that, that next step. And with 
movie work, there's an incredibly long period of dissatisfaction <laughs> that leads and builds and becomes an integral part of a successful outcome and satisfaction that goes with that. If you only live with the dissatisfaction in that long period, it's fucked. It's, it's, you don't want to do the job, you hate the people, hate yourself for taking it, for saying yes, but then like, oh, I got to honor my commitment and uh, because that's you know, what I do, I need to find things to, to put on the other side of the scale to make this livable. And then there's you know, the whole idea of wonderful, as you know, hotel living. <laughs> I don't know, anybody in here ever lived in a hotel room for four months? 12. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about a small one. <laughs> okay, so it's not, and people are like, yeah, you travel all the time, and you, live, you, know, you stay in hotels, and you, you eat out all the time. I'm like, okay, I can recite every fucking thing on the menu that's in the restaurant at the Grove Hotel just outside of Watford. <laughs> the butternut squash soup is amazing. <laughs> Even on the 50th time. No, not on the 50th time. On the fucking first time. The fish and chips are vile. The, you know, I'm like... How dare you? <laughs> just there. Okay. Yeah. Not generally. Fish and chips at Codland, however, are awesome. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, so, and so, so for me, like seeing through the camera in a way was 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 a way to was a way to balance out the sort of because it's a it's an incremental process i mean there is no sort of there isn't well in the movie business there's no four hour work week i don't know what that fucker was talking about um <laughs> there's no four minute abs there's no four minute there's no, there's nothing short and you don't get to see progress day to day today you can only see it over this long timeline for where, okay, we're here, and a month later we're here, and th two months later we're here. I mean, there have been a couple of jobs where we could actually see people changing <laughs> on a day-to-day -day basis, but for the most part, there is no job satisfaction in outcome until much later. And I mean, so, there, so the, for me, you know, I had to find this, I, I was using the camera to take me on a journey that was sort of different and would actually, um, if I'm taking a picture of sunrise, it's because I've been up all night. It's never because I, I'm not like Jocko. I'm at, Jocko's waking up at 4.30, but I found out where he sleeps. I found out where the fucker sleeps at 3.30. He ain't waking up tomorrow. Anyway, uh, on these jobs, I would, have to get up or, I would have to get up early or stay up and you know, go to you know, work through the night and then, and then go, to, go, go to work. But it was oftentimes the camera that made me that makes it, made it possible. And if I look out from where I was and the, like the cover of Rays 2 is, you know, this scene I saw every single day on my way to the studio from where I lived. And some days I'd wake, get up and I'd look outside and go, fuck, I need to be at the T intersection when the sun comes up and that's gonna happen at 5.55 today. So there was a, a way to manipulate my environment that, uh, that uh, uh, allowed me to, um, get through that period when nothing was necessarily good in a way. I've not answered your question, Tony, I apologize. But we have the whole weekend. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Nick. Hi. Um, so one of the things that's been the most interesting to me about the podcast and the conversations there is the exploration of the theme of like identity and self and the pursuit of that and different vehicles, whether it's fitness or art or risk and um, just the knowledge that who you are at mile zero is different than the person you may you know, have a conversation with at mile 90 or, you know, elevation zero and six, seven, eight thousand meters. Sure. And you, you go through that enough and it seems like you start bringing stuff back and that pursuit of self becomes a bit more like selfless in a way and you start to share and and just being on the re receiving end of that from you um, it has been you know something that's I found throughout the last like 18 years of my life I get you know the Department of the Navy gives me a cold weather kit and there's a DVD and hey it's Mark Twight <laughs> and then then I go to Alaska and I get a book and it's hey it's Mark Twight and then I start doing high intensity interval broad time modal domains hey it's Mark Twight and uh, and on and on. Fucker can't and, uh, figure out what he wants to do. <laughs> no, <I don't>. yeah. <laughs> it's at these points. And so I, I see this like, what I see is this selflessness, like this sharing. And I think this seems to be kind of like almost the pinnacle of it, where you've done this stuff in pursuit of self, but to me, it's very selfless. And, and it's very valuable to me. And I, I just wonder if that's something that you understand and it sustains this, or if it's part of the, part of the ongoing driver to produce rather than just experience well played <laughs> that description and and i think that it, it, it's it's highly accurate that in the in the beginning it was absolutely pursuit of self and self-satisfaction and to like build stroke set on fire and then with the bellows like make that fire even hotter my own ego in a way especially the period of climbing by myself. I didn't have to share the success. I also was not, uh, I also didn't, when there was the opposite of success, I also didn't let anybody else down. The thing that sort of changed with self, and I know that, I mean, Scott and I would go back and forth with this, is that is the, I mean, for me, that it was even when we were climbing together and dependent on each other and in love with each other, there'd still be the small man stuff that happened. And every, and every now and then, you know, in the office, it still happens, like, but we always preface it now, like, I was petty today. <laughs> <laughs> and then Michael, will, if I say it, then Michael's like, oh, do tell. Because the small man t still, you know, comes back. I mean, it's, a, it's we're, we're, you know, blessed, cursed, whatever, with, that but but the real the real change from in you know i don't want to say self-serving but but self-seeking came from tying the rope to someone else that i really cared about and who cared about me and to realize that look i need to i need to be a better version of me in order to accomplish what we could do together or to rise up to the level that Scott is expressing or is able to operate at. And, this, and then that idea kept coming up as I matured, whether it was in the military context where, wow, I can actually do something here. That I, look, I was born in a certain country with 
certain advantages. I have a passport that allows me to go, I mean, used to anyway, allow me to go anywhere in, you know, I wanted to, to do what I wanted, wanted to do. I had the financial resources to do that. I had the freedom to do that. I didn't pay for any of it. Part of the work that I did in a, in a somewhat, I don't want to say selfless way, because it's not entirely true, because I did get paid. I wasn't volunteering my time. Um, but part of the work that I did with the military was, had to do with that for me. It was a sense of, of duty, of paying for, my, for, for rights I had already taken advantage of, or advantages that I had already experienced. And that if I learned something, and I was, you know, I, I wrote a long thing after, I mean, after Dean Potter got killed, and I just realized, wow, that guy, he had something to share. Cool. We only benefit when he comes back. And started, and that instant in that parking lot where I learned about that and started writing that particular sermon or whatever, I guess I still have to call him that, I realized that like I came back, it's my obligation in a way. It's my duty to share. And I think it's just sort of continuing now. And to sort of answer the very end of that question, I don't understand the impact. Honestly, I mean, if I choose not to hear because I'm afraid of where my ego might go. Like I might be that, you know, turned back into the ego kid that I was. And I'm very, I mean, I'm, cog I'm cognizant of it and, and may maybe to, you know, some detriment, but it's incredibly powerful to me that when something that I share, and even if it's, you know, an, an email from, uh, you know, completely out of the blue that I, somebody read something that I wrote that, or saw something or heard about something and that they changed and steered their trajectory in a way that uh, made life better. And I read those things and I take them really seriously. I usually I get kind of emotional, like, oh, shit, I better be careful. I got to be flippant about this. I don't do any gratitude journaling. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> we like to mock it. I think Keegan bought us some. Did he? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but I am fortunate and, and really grateful to have experienced what I did, survived long enough, had enough, I don't know, mental facility to understand maybe it and to explain it back in a way that uh, helps, I mean, in air quotes, because I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I guess I don't really know. Probably one more. Two topics you've spoken and written about a lot, sort of competing against one another. One is of mastery, which requires repetition, and one is of reinvention, which born out of discontentment of doing the same thing over and over. <laughs> the title of the book is, is Refuge. It is accepting change, which competes against proportion of mastery. Have you found catharsis and refuge? Does this bring some fulfillment that answers to the balance of those two competing topics? Nate, I have to, uh, uh, I'll start by muddying the water for 
this. Not the last line, but in the closing essay of the book, it, the, I, it, 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 I believe that closing essay ends with, there is refuge, there is no shelter. Yes, I think I have found refuge, but I don't want to be sheltered. As far as, ab absolutely, any mastery requires enormous repetition. But I think we are all have built-in mechanisms. Uh, I'm going to use the word limitations. I'm going to have to put it in air quotes because it's not exactly what I'm searching for. But, but uh, let me say that you know, I don't train people anymore. The reason that I don't, at least the current way that I explain it, is because I took that as far as I could go with it, according to my built-in personality, desire, this. I learned as much as I could from training people for movies, or maybe it's military, or maybe it's on a personal level, but I'm not going to learn anymore from that, from doing it. I've decided. Potentially, I could, but the decision that I made was like, look, I, I, I took it, you know, the 35 Amazons on Wonder Woman and another 30 on Justice League just fucking ruined me. <laughs> that was so fucking hard. But also, the, you know, I quit at the peak. <laughs> it's like, this is, this is the most difficult thing ever. And uh, I joke about that. But, but, but that's honestly how I feel about the whole, tr the, tr the process of training is that I, I brought the lessons that I'd learned from the mountains. I was able to sort of repurpose or, you know, reskin this, uh, this idea inside the gym and training and, and how to, man to manage relationships and manipulate people in order to have experiences that transform them. And I know how to, 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 to do it. It had been incredibly satisfying, but I don't want to do it for the rest of my life. I mean, I, I think I've reinvented myself a few times. And part of the motivation for that is to, to I got to steal a martial arts term, to put on a white belt and to learn. Even when, and, I, and I'll say this, Justin has no idea what he's taught me. Sometimes by way of criticizing me, sometimes by flippant remarks, sometimes by a simple text that I have to fucking decipher. <laughs> <laughs> what is Justin trying to show me or make me see or help me see right now that I can't, that I am in my own, I am in my way so hard that I don't see this. And that to me is more important than the mastery part of it, the learning part of it, the opening part of it, the having someone turn the mirror on me, and I'm not in control. I don't volunteer to step up in front of the mirror at a time when I know I'm gonna see something awesome. No, somebody's pointing, turning that mirror back at me, showing me something that I need to learn or that I need to change or that potentially I might see as something that opens vistas and changes a, a trajectory that I had started down or started on, up, across, whatever. That, to me right now, is sort of more important than the 
absolute master, you know, to, 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 okay, I can spend another year making this book 1% better. Maybe two. Is it worth it? I read about another guy recently that, uh, I think it was something that Justin pointed out. <laughs> Somebody's been working on this book for like, they finally published the book after 30 years or something. I'm like, okay. Plastic bag, zip tie. <laughs> forego the painkillers and vodka. Just fucking, you know, like, I couldn't do that. I'm impatient. I need to get this shit out there. Because if I don't share it, then I don't share it. I might add to this, if you don't mind, because this, this might be a crushing blow to those that are staying for the weekend for the symposium, but <laughs> th this is actually a section that we added in to the booklet. Um, that, uh, when people think about mastery, they first think it's an arrival thing, which is incorrect. And those who get it right think of it as skill acquisition and repetition of on a micro scale. I'm going to do this one thing very, very good. I'm going to master it. Um, or I'm going to have mastery over this one domain. And I think the bigger thing about mastery in general is it's on a, a macro scale of the process of in and out of how I can become a beginner, uh, a beginner and then come back into learning again and then rerouting yourself every time that you get to a place where you think you're comfortable with handling a thing because mastery of a, a, a particular situation, especially the more masterful you are, the less uh, specific it is, the more general it is. Um, you were able to handle uncertainty at a level that other people can't. And most people visualize mastery as specific certainty. They want to master skateboarding so that they don't fall. But every master skateboarder knows that that is part of what makes them masterful, right? That, that the possibility of falling is there. So uh, I think mastery has more to do with how you view uncertainty than it does with actual skill acquisition. And I would say that just because Mark gets really uncomfortable every time I do this, but one of the most rewarding parts of getting to know Mark and, and Michael over the last um, <coughs> year or so, um, Mark is a walking example of this. You know, we're, he wasn't joking, we were literally for four months did practice podcasts that no one's ever heard, <laughs> you know, and part of the purpose of that was so that Mark could go and learn how to use Audition. and because he wasn't satisfied with not knowing. And I came in one day, it was, an, it was an afternoon, and you're with the headphones, and you just had this look in your face, like you were gonna put your fist through the monitor. <laughs> um, and you'd had somebody come in and teach you, and you were, it was skill acquisition. And after all his accomplishments, and all his time in the mountains, and his time in the movies, it's easy to outsource. It's easy just to say, hey, go, go do this for me. But you would never understand the process. And it was just this like golden moment of, here's somebody that I've followed for years, you know, and yes, way back in the old country, you know, I knew of the infamous Mark Twight. And we do, we think we're going to, we think that we, once we've arrived, it's enough. But the point is never to arrive. You know, and Mark was just like, no, it's like, what's next? And I've seen him bang his, you know, not just with the Adobe Suite, but InDesign. Mark produced a book and I have the first versions of Mark's InDesign files. And, <laughs> and in eight months, it's turned into something remarkable. 
you know, and and I think it's you're a very good example of always be discontent, <laughs> you know, but for all the right reasons. And whoever it was that that mentioned it, you're not greedy. You're not selfish with. You don't hoard your skills. You know, it's it, it's like you've kind of subconsciously or possibly consciously found this purpose that the more you can progress and develop, the more meaningful the output for other people. So I applaud you for that, sir. You made me feel really uncomfortable, Ross. <laughs> All right. Is there any fitness questions? <laughs> any superheroes in the room? Yeah. You know? All right, let's, let's break it right there so we have time to um, get books signed that people who have pre-ordered or want to order. And then there's drinks and a couple snacks and whatnot, and we can chit-chat and do whatever. Yeah, so if, if you've walked through this, this is ba basically, it's, some of those are the aluminum plates that go in the machine that are, that are photosensitive, um, and they pick up the ink, and then that ink gets rolled onto the paper, and then individual pictures of the, the whole process of actually producing the book, but you saw the video, so you know most of it. If you refer back to those, then maybe it means a little bit more. Um, there's also, uh, so I have some, some there's books, there's, um, some of the zines that we produce also, mm. and which we have never made publicly. <laughs> which we've actually, it, it's always been password protected. You had to find the secret URL, solve the riddle, and then maybe you could buy Good. if we hadn't, if you weren't using a phone. If you weren't, br <laughs> if you weren't browsing, guys, we fucked up. <laughs> we yeah, have we issue fucked up two number two. two. Yeah, could and then we have collaborate, and there's some other stuff. But if you have any questions. Dalila is the one to talk to if you have any questions about purchasing anything. Um, Mark, if you have any questions for anything. I, I'm just going to go stand over there by the yeah. table, I think, and drink the rest of this beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. So thank you guys very much for coming. Enjoy yeah, the rest of the Thank you very evening. much.